Welcome to the You Can Be Unstoppable podcast. My name is Ewelina Szczeplewska, your host and certified hypnotherapist. In this podcast, I will share with you how to tap into the power of your subconscious mind. I intend to share with you how learning how to use the power of your subconscious mind can help you to create a successful and abundant life with ease, how to connect with yourself while fostering a healthy relationship with your body and mind. Tapping into the power of the subconscious mind will help you to learn how to manage your emotions, become more resilient and present in all of your relationships. Self-love and self-worth are the keys to the kingdom of success and abundance, to happy and healthy life on your terms. Welcome everyone. And today's guest is Emmanuel Anthony, human behavioral expert, writer, teacher of universal laws. And he's helping people expand the consciousness, which I love, because it's kind of my field as well. So welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Fantastic. We live in quite turmoil world at this point of time. And I think so many people are unbalanced and they don't know how to balance their lives. They stressed, they worry, they live in fear. And my big question to you from your perspective is, how can we create a balanced life? And what does that mean exactly? So to have a balanced life means to have a reasonable amount of balance. We can never have perfection. To be balanced in all areas of life would be all enlightened. And as much as some human beings or uh, gurus would like to make you think that's the case, they're not. We're all human beings having a human experience. But the degree of balance that we have in our life is the ability for us to flow. What people are quite often calling the flow state is the ability to take what we label as positives and negatives. The major thing is that we're labeling it as that because a positive for us may be a negative for somebody else, et cetera. But as we control our perceptions, as we get resilient to both the perceived positives and negatives in the current, present, and in the future, and let go of things in the past, we start to move towards a prophecy where we can start to plan the future, be highly in charge of our emotions, and be able to select the reality that we have to a greater degree. Basically, what that means is We've got an animal mind, and the animal mind is a part of the mind that's highly emotional. It sees black or white, positive or negative. It's very fundamental. If we think about the most fundamental religions or societies, there's usually a very strict way in which they see life, but a lot of the things that they're trying to ignore or get rid of, they can't. So, because there's two sides of life, there's a polarity that exists that means there's always a pair of opposites. But the higher up we go in society, we start to have cultures that have philosophy and debates and look at both sides and they can prosper and evolve. So the lower part of the mind, uh, the animal mind, is very primitive, it's very emotional, it's very rational, it's very bipolar, addicted to monopolar thinking. But the higher part of the mind, this is why most of the religions looked at the skies and called them angelic, 
the forebrain has the ability to see both sides and has rational thinking. And the minute we can see both sides, we bring balance to our emotions. We bring balance to our psychology. So we clear brain noise. And when we live within that state, it's only temporary periods of that, but we can create more and more of that. That's when we're in our most inspired, fulfilling state that allows us to transition forward in all areas of life. And if we can do that to the highest degree in all seven areas, that's when we prosper the most. And that's so true what you just said. And I think a lot of us, because that was me not that long ago, I didn't understand any of what you just explained. And there's this concept, which I think is very ancient from Kabbalion, as above, so below. And it's those two sides of life. We have the good and the bad, but it's how we label things that is really important. And we are highly emotional creatures and emotions always um, rule over logic. We may think that we logically make decisions, but actually the emotions always play a part somewhere behind the scenes. Because as you said, we are still very much an animals and just a bit more clever than <laughs> some of the, of the other ones, although I question that sometimes. <laughs> well, the higher brain that I mentioned is the difference between us and animals. Uh, mm. If they had a higher brain, they would also create companies and buildings and things like that. But they just don't have that aspect of the brain. It's the one thing that separates us from mm. them. And although we have an animal mind and we have a higher mind, it's like a muscle. And the more that we exercise the higher mind, the more that we have the ability to elevate the level of evolution in which we grow in. I do this with clients uh, day in and day out. They'll come in. They've got a certain challenge. We evolve beyond that challenge. I put them in the same circumstances. Now they're rational, poised, grateful, appreciative, resilient, and take on those challenges like they mean nothing. But now they just get elevated to the next level of their challenge. (laughs) So now as they evolve and grow, they've got to get the next level of their tools within that. But knowing that they've got that level of tools, now they're just stacking 5% on where they are. So yes, it's perfectly normal to have human emotions, but the wisest in society realize that their feedbacks and address them sooner rather than later. They use them as feedbacks, not as lifestyles uh, within that. And those of us that haven't figured that out yet, it's not a good or bad thing, but you may find yourself in repetitive emotional cycles where your emotions run you instead of you running your emotions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that was me in a past. I understand completely what you're saying. And as you say, the brain is a muscle and so many of us, exercise the muscle the wrong way because we repeat how unworthy we we feel the worry what if scenario so we actually use the muscles in a way that is actually working against us rather than support us plasticity you're the more that you read so if you do something over and over again in order to work with greatest efficiency which is the way that the central nervous system the brain Mm. likes to work it'll um, make sure that it myelinates that connection so that that information is sourced much more easily. So if you're going into emotional points and re-justifying the same story, you're going to be a victim of your history instead of a master of your destiny. The only way you can transition beyond that is by creating new neuro pathways that are stronger than the previous ones. Most people just don't know how to do that. But once it's done, I've been seeing that when thousands of clients are 11 years, once it's done, you can't go back. It's a permanent thing, but people just need to learn how to do that. It is because I I see this with my clients. When they gain that awareness and understanding and you expand, you just can't go back. Once yes. you've grown and evolved, it's just 
it's almost like you've realized something, you've got that awareness and or you gain knowledge, you can undo it, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, an expanded mind has trouble shrinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we touch upon emotions a little bit. Emotional resilience, I think it's a muscle that is really important because then we avoid having really highs of lows and highs in our emotions. Uh, we are much more poised. We can actually be in charge of our emotions, not emotions running our uh, decisions and our life. How important do you think that is to build that muscle, that emotional resilience, and where dealing with past is really important in this aspect? Well, you're not going to transition forward if you don't let go of the past. It's like um, me going to the gym and picking up a five kilo weight. I've got to put that down at some point. I couldn't carry that around with me. And then grabbing a 10 and a 15 and a 20, I'm stacking on weight. That's emotional baggage. So the best way to explain this to a person that maybe doesn't work with emotions, I, I like to have this on my, my discovery calls and I've got new clients. One of the things I say to them is, um, let's, let's make emotions black and white. So it's not this mm -hmm. gray area because to a lot of people, it's what is an emotion? It's a thing I, I feel, but I don't know what it is. It's not like a credit card or something where I can touch it. And yeah. it's in the physical realm. So every human being, as they go through life, they see and perceive things, usually for our senses, see, touch, hear, feel, taste, tactile. But that's coming in for our motor senses. And we're taking in the information. And as we take in information, we see and perceive it, meaning that we don't see it how it is. We're deleting, distorting, and generalizing information and creating our own associations through the central nervous system. Because it may have come in through sight, but now the central nervous system is creating what's known as a perception but specifically a ratio of perception and that ratio is going to be a balance between positive and negative so if i have three people in a room and i hand them a sheet of paper and an event happens i may say can you write the positives on one side and negatives on the other if one person hands me back a sheet of paper and it's got five positives and five negatives that's a one-to-one -one ratio somebody else hands me back a piece of paper and it's got 14 positives and two negatives that's a one to seven ratio slanted towards a positive and obviously, if somebody handed one back to me with more negatives than positives, that would be a negative ratio. But that's a central nervous system. And once it's created that ratio of perception, it's undeniable what it does to the body because what we think what we, is what we feel as above, so shall be below. Mm -hmm. So the central nervous system then takes that and passes that and it goes through neurology and a range of other processes all the way through the body, even down to the cellular level. Every thought you've ever had is captured within the cellular level. And it starts switching things on and off. But one of the areas that goes to is the autonomic nervous system. This is made of your sympathetic and parasympathetic. And it's a chemical and hormone distribution center, controls that. And all your emotions are chemical and hormone distributions. So it's not a weird thing that's happening somewhere and you can't control it. They're distributions based on perceptions happening within the autonomic nervous system. And any time that balance goes above one-to-one, -one, which is both sides, because one's a fight or flight and the other's a rest and relax, and you need them both, one's during the day, building you up with testosterone, et cetera, and the other one's tearing you down and the body requires a balance of both. Anything that goes above two-to-one, three-to-one, starts to throw that hormonic balance out and the chemical and hormone distribution. Anything above five or seven-to-one will now create what's known as disease, the body not at ease, and disorder, the body not at order. So the body has to communicate to you because of what you're doing to it. And especially when the ratios are that high, because every 
um, uh, emotion that you have, whether it's anger, fear, sadness, hurt, guilt, resentment, whether it's happy or sad, both of them create destruction for the body. So if you've got an extreme perceived negative emotion like anxiety, we know that's adrenaline to the heart. And if it's seven to one or 10 to one, if the heart's meant to beat, say a hundred thousand times a day, I don't know how many times it beats and yours is beating seven times that just like a tire in a car doing seven times more than somebody else, you're going to have wear and tear in that. And that's going to create aging as a feedback and much, much more other things. So the body does two things. It occupies time and space in the mind. Brain noise occupies time and space in the body, emotions and physiological disease um, within that. And those are feedbacks. The higher the ratio, the bigger the feedback. And that's what it's doing. But most people think there's something wrong with them instead of understanding that it's a feedback mechanism. And once they bring that back into one-to-one balance, then they, as above, like you said, so below, they alter their perceptions and then that changes what's actually happening physiologically in the body. No longer occupies time and space in the mind. So the brain noise and the emotions are feedbacks, but that's what they specifically are. But a lot of people don't know that. Mm -hmm. So if we accumulate a whole bunch of brain noise, it's like walking around and we've got um, a whole range of uh, what landmines, but we don't know they're there. And then once we set off a trigger, we're now anchored to a certain thing and that takes a day or a week or a month to try and get over. We accumulate 20, 30 or 40 of those things in a lifetime. So to answer your question, can a person transition forward without letting go of those things or is that needed? It's 100% needed, especially when you're carrying a lot of volatile emotions. And in my time, you've probably seen the same with your clients. When they let go of the biggest thing, something that may be occupying 40 or 50% of their brain noise, it's night and day. They're not even the same person. Absolutely. Because in per- yeah, a person's natural state is high self-worth, high levels of energy and vitality. In fact, I had a client, uh, we've been working together for about four weeks now, and she said to me that um, usually when she has that time of the month, energy is completely out. And she said, since working together and balancing her perceptions, she's um, in the last four weeks. Now, when that occurs, she's got a lot of energy and it's, she doesn't end up highly emotional. It's actually balanced out her hormonic states as well during and prior to the week. So that's, that's absolutely amazing, but it's not uncommon. I've seen that. It is in so like many a cases. box of trapped emotions that yeah. when it comes to time, it just explodes. Yes. Because it's hormonal time anyway. Uh, and the box that we kind of can contain at and other times it just explodes like a Pandora box and we don't well, you're know adding what to it. happening. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's already emotional. Why would you add 40% more emotions yeah. on top of it? So yeah. I, I've definitely found in 11 years that the women that balance their emotions and their perceptions more actually have less hormonal reactions and they're much, and, it, and it's wonderful because sometimes they felt like the week before it's a really odd experience and they feel lost. And then the week of, they feel like they've kind of lost a lot of themselves. So having that power back allowed them to have, you know, it's almost like half a year back almost. Uh, It is. And I think the medical field doesn't help because it says, oh, we, there's nothing we can do about it. There's kind of nothing wrong with you because there is nothing wrong with you, but there's a lot of trapped emotions, a lot, energy that it needs to let you need to release you need to let go but medical field doesn't seem to be caught up with that idea quite yet well the medical field in many cases is quite often uh, dominated by the pharmaceutical companies and Mm. uh, they have a different vested interest and i think they have a place but uh, i definitely say in certain countries like australia and america they're bordering on abuse not use Mm. 
Yeah, like you said, they absolutely have a place because if you could go car accident, go yourself out to the ER. <laughs> they can 100%. help you. But like you said, I've seen this with my clients as well. Once they release that energy, it's like someone just plucked a, a like a you know a plug from the bath, you know, and the water goes away. It's kind of like this. It's this immediate shift in the way they look, the way they feel. It's absolutely amazing. Yet so many of us uses so much energy not to feel the emotions. We try to stuff them away, thinking this is the best way to go about this. Whereas there is no good or bad emotions. They are there, as you say, as a feedback. If I feel sad, it's like, okay, why am I feeling sad? What happened? Is there a reason? Just be curious rather than I can't be looking at this. I've done work on myself. I shouldn't feel sad. There's all those shoots as well, which do not help because it's normal to have an off day. <laughs> you know, we're still humans. We still got emotions. Things happen and we are entitled to feel all range of emotions. And I don't know if you find this, but I think we've got very little vocabulary or so many people do not know how to label the emotions they feel. They kind of know what they feel, but they're not really how to, they don't know how to call them or maybe they just say, oh, I just feel angry where actually there is deeper layer. Maybe they just feel frustrated. They feel disappointed. There's all their emotions in there, but it's just easier to say, I'm angry. Yeah. Uh, quite often uh, with clients, I'll take the time to explain what specific emotions are. So if they're feeling Say, for example, shame, it's a perception of that something that they did had more pain than pleasure, drawbacks and benefits, disservice and service to somebody else that they have on a pedestal. Um, if they're feeling anger, quite often it's an unrealistic expectation of somebody else to live in, within their values, um, to live outside of that person's values, uh, to live in accordance to a god or some kind of deity that they have or to go against universal laws. Because when you expect, the only thing you can trust anyone to do is whatever's within their values. And if that's your expectation, they'll never let you down. They'll do what's within their values because that's the way the human body is actually neurologically programmed. It's why when we do what we love and love what we do, time five hours, I feel like five minutes. Mm -hmm. And in the areas that we love, we'll remember things like we're on a game show, but anything that's lowest in our values, we can't find it. We forget it in that. So I think this brings on a bigger topic and it's an unpopular one and a lot of people don't want to hear it, but society promotes unrealistic expectations and calls it happiness. I don't yeah. I don't promote happiness. My clients come to me, I've got no interest in making you happy because what you label as happy uh, is you ignoring the sad and it's actually two sides. If you study quantum entanglement, you'll see the universe has a polarity and it has two sides and it has a positive and a negative charge within every single atom and that can't be broken. So society says you've got to be happy in a relationship and gives you a whole bunch of unrealistic expectations and then you compare your life to it when you don't get it. Then society says you have to be happy within your own life. I've found, and I define it as love, when I see the pairs of opposites equally, I have resilience. When I see something and call it happy, I'm looking for the positive without the negative. I'm trying to get rid of the things that I can't get rid of. I'm trying to divide the undivisible. And I set unrealistic expectations. And happiness is the fastest way to um, depression in my book. So I gave up happiness. I gave up positive thinking. And I started to look for the balance. And I found that I could never love something until I saw both sides of it and appreciated it. And the minute I did, less arguments with my fiance, 
because I wasn't having a fantasy of all the positive things that she had to be. And when she did the mm. opposite, I'd beat her up to try and make her do that. I actually realized what I was labeling as negative had benefits and drawbacks because she needs to support and challenge me for, for me to grow. And the things I was labeling as positive, I could get addicted to. So when she didn't do that, that helped break my addiction. And it was really me about me learning how to love her. One is a reflection of the things inside of me that I hadn't learned how to love that she was bringing up. Mm -hmm. And secondly, to actually appreciate who she authentically is instead of trying to change her into, I think, a better version of her is. There is no better version. Who she is is perfect. It was about just cleaning my lens to do that and learning how to do that with myself, learning how to do that with others. It's a continual process. But the more I love people for who they are and don't change them, the more they become who I love and our friendships evolve and grow. So I think that's one of the biggest things that society needs to do, but nobody wants to do it because the animal mind looks to avoid pain and seek pleasure. It's hedonistic. Um, and it's the reason that people will use the animal mind before they use the more elevated mind, especially if they haven't learned how to use the forebrain, because the animal mind is to do with protection. And if it feels that you are in danger, the um, chemical and hormone distributions uh, activate the organs faster around danger than they do around more rational thinking. So it just gets there faster. That's why we'll quite often emotionally react unless we're balanced and done work on that. So yeah. uh, that's why, you know, this hedonistic uh, model that people have that people aren't living up to and keep trying to do, it's going to lead to more emotional turmoil in the long run. And I think they also feel frustrated then because they do all the things that society tell them to do, that you have to feel happy and you need to, you know, have the big car and the massive career and present certain image to the world. And they've done all of this, yet they still feel unhappy and they're frustrated because they haven't worked on themselves, they've got trapped emotions, things they haven't dealt with. And they think, well, what I've done, all of it that you've asked me to do. But the one thing they haven't done is think for themselves and they find what, but what actually I want to do with my life. How do I want to live? And as you said, with your fiance, you can only work on yourself. You cannot change anyone else. You have to accept them as they are. And when we work on ourselves, they will automatically, people in our lives, raise the game as well. well you can't they change a dynamic self. without changing yourself. Yeah. You change yourself, you change the dynamic because the person can't interact with you if you're completely different in the same yeah. way. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a um, transformational program that I'm part of and it is a 14-week thing and towards the end there's relationships and a lot of their relationships either make you know become stronger or they fall apart because the one person that is changing and growing and evolving and the other person is like oh I love that I want that too they join the party and sometimes the other person's like I don't like what's happening here because they don't feel that need to grow and evolve yet the other person is growing and evolving and they want to pull them back down to their level yeah so there's that yeah. danger as well where the other person will not raise their ball, will not want to grow and evolve, and it's then they grow apart. It's part of nature. Nature has four seasons. Um, and when I, I had a lady today, I had a discovery call with, and um, she was telling me about uh, her partner leaving her and all of the challenges that she may have. And I said, no, that's, that's you don't have more drawbacks from him leaving. Um, go back to your relationship in the past few months. How's it been? It's been hell. I said, okay, have there been times when you fought Jesus? I just wish you'd leave. She goes, yeah. 
And I said, you have benefits and drawbacks in him being there. You have benefits and drawbacks in him leaving. You just don't know which one you want to do. So let's get present and resolve all the emotions around him and yourself and the low self-worth and all of those other aspects associated with it. And the minute we do that and we get authentic, we'll have certainty because you only have certain uncertainty when you're missing parts. But once you bring it into balance and the parts aren't missing, you have certainty. And then from there, you can make a decision with clarity. But staying in a relationship that you feel you're evolving and the other person isn't, you're just sabotaging your self-worth and your growth. And relationships have a start, a beginning, and an end. It doesn't matter what relationship it is. This may just be the end of this one and the start of something new uh, within yeah. that. So I yeah, think sometimes absolutely. people hold on and for too long. What you say comes down to self-worth and how you see yourself, see your self-image, but that's where people really struggle with. And that's why I've noticed as well in this program, that's where always comes up every single uh, time. But um, from your perspective, and I know this, it's complex and there's a lot more to it, but if you, for someone who's just starting this journey and they want to expand their awareness and where would be the best place to start? That one thing they can do I'm considerably biased, but in a $400,000 worth of study, um, I, and I just finished a, a weekend with Dr. John D. Martini from uh, Wednesday through to Sunday, just uh, re-certifying uh, for the D. Martini method. I'd have to say the D. Martini method for my clients and Dr. John D. Martini's work. Um, there's a, I noticed something as I was studying personal development. Um, in the lower ranks, you have more polarity. And that mm -hmm. polarity is this is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong. Um, the lady that I spoke to just uh, told me that her husband went and saw a relationship coach. Mm -hmm. And he's just, and he's a human being that has his own unique set of challenges. And their relationship has a set of dynamics that both of them are part of. And apparently, the relationship coach, after one conversation, said that you're broken, um, uh, you're, there's something wrong with you, and just put a whole bunch of labels on him. And I remember going, what? That's, that's not the case. I've been doing this on extreme cases of bipolar, depression, uh, anxiety, all kinds of symptomology. And I'm yet to find one person that didn't have reason, meaning, or purpose for what exactly. they were doing. And they were doing the best they could with the resources they had. Everybody just has a different way of perceiving and overcoming their challenges. Absolutely. But um, at the lower level, with those fundamental um, uh, ways of thinking, you'll find that you're constantly trying to live within a model and delete half of yourself. But no matter what you do, you can't um, get to the model. So transition beyond that. At the middle level, you might find yourself with Tony Robbins and some NLP and things like that. Um, but still, the tools weren't as powerful. I mean, I, I applied these with hundreds of clients. It wasn't until I met Dr. John D. Martini, and I remember thinking, why is it that he's got such powerful work? And then I did a little bit more research on Google. Guinness Book Record holder for most books read by a human being, teaches in a hundred different ologies. Uh, and I went, okay, I can see why now he's done comparative studies. So I'd say, um, you know, go have a look at Dr. John D. Martini's work because he's taken the pairs of opposites of different fields and found the holes, how one side is obsessed with promoting one side, another side will promote another. And it's actually right in the middle that you're able to get the truth about both of them. And a lot of his work shows that in many different levels from human psychology all the way out to the stars and um, having a look at the universe and then all the way down to um, energy and physics. So there's so much stuff there, but I always send my clients here because it's just a great balance in thinking. So if you're starting your journey, skip like $250,000 of what I studied 
that I had to then delete out of my mind and just go check out Dr. John D. Martini's work because I, I think it's it's really something profoundly special. Can you talk more about this? Because his work I've never heard of before till we connected. So obviously the, I'm sure there's plenty of people who don't know who he is and his work like I haven't um, heard about him before. So can you, in just a few short sentences, explain a bit more about his method? Yeah, so the Demartini method uh, is a specific method that asks a set of questions, and it's really hard to do this justice because I'm going to explain it on a few levels, but it works on much higher levels than when I'm speaking. But it guarantees you to let go of your emotions and your perceptions towards yourself or anybody else, regardless of what you're working on. And I've done extreme rapes and cases like that as well. And it alters your perceptions of the events, situations, and things that occurred and turns it into love and gratitude. It heals the mind and the body and lets go of brain noise and then increases your resilience whilst also at the same time increasing your level of energy and vitality um, in that. So because uh, I originally did timeline therapy and I remember thinking, oh, this is okay. But I found mm -hmm. that like there was a 30% of my clients, I, I just couldn't touch certain things that they did because he's got a grief process as well. Yeah. And then once I started working with that, I I just watched the results go up. Like it, it was night and day difference. I could get that 100% change in my clients. Yeah. Am I right so, thinking that you did NLP before? I did. I did NLP, timeline therapy and hypnosis. Um, and it was okay. Um, but it wasn't achieving what I wanted to achieve with clients. So for, for what I do, I guarantee that when my clients come to me, whatever we work on, they will 100% bring balance to its money back. So I just don't have the luxury of a psychiatrist or psychologist um, that some of my clients come from where it's seven years of talking. I just, I don't have that as a luxury. Okay. Well, that's uh, certainly quite interesting. And I need to do some more digging uh, around that to find out more. Because like you say, um, it doesn't do the justice, just a few sentences. Um, and just the last question. So this podcast is uh, titled You Can Be Unstoppable. So if you could come up with three favorite to you top tips or ways for the listeners to evoke and bring the unstoppable part of them uh, to the front. Definitely. Well, the first one is uh, go to www.drdmartini.com, head to the value section. And the reason I say that, every human being on planet Earth has a unique set of values. Whatever your values are, it's not honor and integrity and all of those things. No, no, that's what happens when you live within your values. When you're living within your values, you're organized, disciplined, reliable, and focused. You set goals and spontaneously achieve them, and nobody has to tell you to do that. You're rewarded with um, a high amount of energy and vitality. When you read information about things that are highest in your values, the mind neurologically uh, creates um, connections that stick. And that's why you're able to remember things, even if it was years ago, about what you value. So the whole body is neurologically programmed to do what you love and love what you do. If you go to that website, it's going to show you how to get what your values are. My highest values is family creation with my fiance for three or four years. I've been trying to create a little child. So anything around that I'm interested in, I soak that in, I want to discuss it, I want to talk about it, and I find myself energized. We talk for five hours, I wouldn't know. It feels like five minutes to me. The second thing is human evolution, development, and growth. And by the way, your biggest voids create your biggest values. That's how they're achieved. So if you were bullied a lot, you might want to be a bodybuilder. 
if you're somebody that um, wasn't popular, you may be a sportsman or uh, work in nightclubs or something like that, there's your voids highly dictate what you find valuable. And those voids are occurring within all seven areas of life, physical, financial, mental, spiritual, social, vocation, and family. You also increase your self-worth when you do what you love and you decrease your self-worth when you don't do what you love. When you're doing the opposite, things that are lowering your values, because there's a hierarchy, you procrastinate, hesitate, frustrate. You lower your worth and you live and subordinate to other people instead of yourself. So you can't be unstoppable if you're trying to live and be somebody else instead of being authentic. But if I'm doing what I love and loving what I do, it's unstoppable because I don't even have to try. I'm naturally going to do that. So I've been able to work 12 hours a day. Um, here in Australia, it's uh, 5.30. I finish at 8 p.m. tonight. And usually at this time, most people are yawning to get out of work. But they'll say to me, how do you have so much energy? It's because you maximize your energy and vitality when you get clear on what your values are and live your life congruently with that. So that's the first thing to unlock your superhuman powers, finding out what is most valuable, meaningful, and important to you. Then setting an agenda and looking at your calendar where you're doing more of what you love and less of the things that you don't appreciate. Delegate as much of the things that are low in your values as possible and do more of the things that are high in your values. You're going to maximize your energy and vitality within that. So that's the first thing, pardon me, to make you unstoppable. The second thing I would say is, same thing we've been seeing, dissolve your emotional baggage. It creates mm. disease and disorder and stress on your human physiology. So even if you're doing what you love, but you're accumulating emotional baggage, you're just handicapping yourself. Uh, it's like you're clipping your feet or um, dragging a weight with you. So uh, removing and dissolving as much of those highly charged emotional um, anchors, people, situations, and things as you possibly can means that you've let go of the past uh, finding out what you're most fulfilled by means that you now are moving in a direction that's most inspiring to you. And you can be present in the here and now while doing both. You become unstoppable when you do that and gain the correct tools to be able to manage your perceptions and take on future positive and negative emotions. Let neither pain nor pleasure get in the way of a most inspired mission. Because if you're addicted to pleasure and running away from pain, you're going to be highly bipolar in your emotional states and setting unrealistic expectations and beating yourself up when they don't come true. But if you're resilient enough to take pain and pleasure within all seven areas of your life, the last tip will be to create those goals and what most inspires you in all seven areas of your life. Because every area of your life that you neglect and look to not try and create results in becomes the area that you have the biggest challenges in. If you're not looking to learn how to manage your emotions and create a strategy for that, well, that's probably going to impact your financial life, probably going to impact your relationship life, your social life, your work life. It's like a fungus that creeps into every single area. So set small, inspiring and fulfilling goals in all seven areas of life, assess them on a monthly basis, set targets so you know where you're going, and then continue to do that and start off small and build big until you're absolutely unstoppable because you're doing what you love, loving what you do. Your vocation and vacation are the same. You've got high levels of energy and vitality, which increases the immune system, decreases the amount of disease that you have. You've delegated the things that are lowering your values. You've got a strategy for challenges that are happening in the future. So you're running and thriving within adversity instead of avoiding it. That's what makes a person unstoppable to me. Perfect. Well, I love them. They're really amazing free tips. I always ask them, my clients, and everyone comes up with different things which I love very much so thank you very much for joining me it's been a fascinating uh, conversation and thank you very I'll much for having me you're welcome and I'll see everyone next week thank you for listening if you found value in this podcast 
I would like to ask you to leave a positive review explaining how this episode helped you to improve your life. I ask you to do this because this will help all the people to improve their lives as well. Share and spread the love all around you. Raise your vibrations to improve your life. If you would like more transformational content like this, connect with me on Instagram. You can find the link in the description of this podcast and I'll see you over in the next episode.